remote work plus renting out your house plus trusted house sitter. That's going to be one of the most deadly combinations out there. <laughs> and if you're in a place where <laughs> let's say you you live somewhere where you have to drive a lot and maybe you're spending a lot on your car and on gas and things like that. And then you go to you go live in a city, whether it's in the U.S. or somewhere else where now your transportation costs are like zero because you can walk everywhere. That's another huge savings that you can tack on. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Financial Independence Show, where today we're going to be talking about remote work, how it could work for you, even if you don't think it's a possibility right now, and how Justin and I have been able to harness the power of remote work and work from places all around the country and the world. I mean, Justin, right now, is recording this from Denver, right, Justin? Yeah, recording this from Denver. And when the thought crossed my mind about having an episode like this, it really came from, you know, when I tell people I can think about retiring early and they see how much I travel, like I'm always on the road, They're like, why would you even want to retire if you're already able to do this? Or conversely, like I'll see people who feel like they need to retire like as soon as possible, like they're driving themselves into the ground because they feel like they need to do that in order to be able to do the things they want to do and to travel. And so I thought it'd be really cool because I think me and you both do a great job of having both at the same time. Like we're both doing things, earning income, but we're also traveling and not letting that get in the way and having a, a nice blend. Yeah. I mean, something that happened actually pretty recently, because I just came back from my elopement slash honeymoon in Bali. We met this guy, super nice guy. And he was talking about how he went and explored the waterfalls. He's like, oh my God, that hike was so hard. He's like, I barely had time to get to two of them. And there was three total waterfalls and he was limping. He had a cane. Lauren and I do it the next day. We see all three waterfalls and we have two and a half hours to spare. That's how slow this guy was. And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't want to postpone my travel so long where I'm 65 and it takes me, you know, five hours to walk to these waterfalls where now at 27, I can walk to them in two hours. Like, there's so many people that kind of just delay, delay, delay. Like, once they hit this financial milestone, once they reach this level of net worth, once they quit their job at, age 50 something, then they're going to retire, then they're going to do all their travel. But just the reality of life is that you're probably going to be less limber, you're probably going to have less energy, you're just not going to be able to do the same things that you could in your 20s, 30s and 40s, as you start to age, even if you keep yourself in really, really good shape. So that was just a good wake up call. And you know, no offense to that guy, if he's a listener of the podcast, who knows, (laughs) but he was was an awesome dude. I was just like, man, (laughs) we had two hours to spare and this guy couldn't even get to the third waterfall. So with all that being said, I know, Justin, you had the idea to kind of kick this episode off. I think a lot of people who are in like a traditional corporate job were in a role that typically isn't work remote, but they are on their computer. I mean, this was my reality back when I was in corporate banking. Like I totally did not need to be in the office. I could do everything from home, but it was just company culture to be in the office. And I know even pre-COVID, I think you mentioned you were already having these conversations with your boss and figuring out like, how can I work remote? How can I make this work? So I think we have a lot of listeners who are probably in that position where Right now, they don't have any remote work or it's like very rare. Maybe every other Friday they get to work from home. But how did you start those conversations with your boss? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is like making sure that they know that you know that like the work is still the priority. You're still going to work those same hours. Like you're not asking for any kind of crazy like special treatment that any of your other coworkers don't receive. You're not asking for a free pass to miss a certain meeting or you're not going to be showing up to calls with no internet and like having trouble joining meetings. Like you you just don't want to be that person. And that's the biggest thing. And then the other thing I think is coming into it with a mindset of like, well, let's try this out. Like, let's try to do this for like, say three months. And 
if there's no regression in productivity, if you don't see any actually impact from it, then I'd like to take into this, you know, long term. And so that's kind of the way it was for us. We were remote for like three months, realized this is actually not that bad. Like everything is getting done. We kind of want to do this full time. And so, you know, me and Leslie both had conversations with our bosses at the time when we were getting ready to move from Boston down to Austin, Texas. And we're like, hey, regardless of what happens, because at this point, COVID had started, you know, you could maybe start to see it was going to be a longer term thing, but we weren't sure how long. But we just said, hey, regardless of what happens with COVID, this is how we want to work from now on. And they were totally on board with it. And I was coming from the East Coast. All my customers were East Coast. So I knew I still needed to work East Coast hours. So I was going to be starting my day an hour earlier than I was used to. But that's on me. And as long as I took care of that, the boss was cool with it. And I know you've also been on the other side of the table where you are a manager and you do manage people. And I'm sure you have people working remote and there are people that take advantage of the system. So how as a manager do you have those conversations? Like how do you monitor and make sure people are doing the work and not you know, walking their dog for two hours in the middle of the day or doing whatever people do when they're working at home that isn't work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my thing is I honestly don't care if they're walking their dog for two hours in the middle of the day. It's just that you know, when we have those like team meetings where everybody's supposed to be together on those meetings, show up to that, like get your work done and being responsive. So like if you're going to be whatever, like you are going to be at some kind of appointment in the middle of the day, where you're going to be completely offline, just letting us know so that that way if something pops up, that's kind of urgent and we're like pinging you on Slack and we don't get a response. It's not like you're just not paying attention. It's like, oh, we knew you weren't going to be available. So it's totally fine. So I think instead of actually trying to like act like you're online all day, it's better to just be proactive and let somebody know, hey, this little block of time, like you're probably not going to be able to reach me. Same thing with like, I've got people who are nomadic and if they're not going to have cell phone service or internet or whatever for this like period of time, it's better to just be upfront about it than trying to like hide it and thinking, oh, they're going to judge me if they know that I'm not going to have internet. I think the transparency is key and kind of like the way that I mentioned, you know, where I knew I was going to have to work those hours. Hey, like you can go anywhere in the world you want to go. It doesn't bother me any, but you got to work the same hours that you kind of signed up for because we have customers in those time zones. You have coworkers who it is a collaborative environment where you need each other to get the job done. And it's not someone else's burden to take care of your time zone changes. So you just take care of it yourself, be a responsible adult. And honestly, people can work from wherever they want to work. And I don't know if you had like a bunch of reasons, like these are the reasons why I want to work from home. These are the reasons why I think I'm going to be more productive or more happy or whatever, or is just, I want to work from home because I want to work from home. Is that enough? Or do you think it's better to have like, I'm losing so much time because of my commute, or I feel like I'm more productive at home than in the office. Like, is there just like a quick little hit list of like reasons that are acceptable that a boss is like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And so don't just shut you down immediately. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously some situations it's going to be a very easy conversation. Some conversations is going to be more of a like you're having to try to convince them or really build your case. And I would say some things that would help build your case is like, let's say you've got some kind of family dynamic where it would make a big difference in your life to be at home, whether that's maybe your spouse does have to go into work and you've got a young child and it would just make a huge world of difference if you could be home. You know, maybe you do have a terrible commute, maybe there is some reason why you're being fairly nomadic or maybe like relocating for a period of time. You know, maybe you've got a family member who's got a health problem, whatever it is. So those type of things, I feel like help pull on the kind of compassion thread a little bit. And then some people do legitimately work, you know, more effectively at home. 
I honestly don't think for most people, it's like that bad of a conversation with their bosses, unless there's just some kind of corporate policy that their boss couldn't get around anyway. Again, especially if you can try to think about doing some kind of trial period where you can prove it to them. So that way, any kind of nagging thoughts they've got in the back of their head where they might be concerned about it or or worried that you're not going to get the job done. You can both agree that like, hey, I'm not signing up to say that you can do this forever. We're going to try it. And if you kind of pass the test, then, then we'll keep going. But now I can't really think of a complete exhaustive you know, list, but like those are some considerations because most managers, especially if you're a good employee, like they don't want to lose you. And so if you just are very clear to them that it's kind of a retention problem, like, hey, going into the work is becoming a real burden for me and I don't want to leave, but if I need to look at, at different jobs that allow for remote work, like that's kind of where I'm at. And most managers are, if you're a good employee, they're going to do what they can to retain you. And from the conversations you've had and from maybe your coworkers, people you've talked to, do they care about location or they just care that you show up on time? Like if you went to Europe, you'd probably just have to work really late. You'd, I think Sarah Weaver, our previous guest, was doing this where she was working till midnight working East Coast hours in Europe. Is that typically what it is? They just want to make sure you show up on time. They don't care what time <laughs> it is where you're staying. You just have to be at those work meetings during whatever hours your company operates in. Yeah. I mean, most people like they don't care. They don't need to know. Like there's no reason to talk about where you are. Like what difference does it make? One thing that I do is I actually have an Austin background is my like Zoom background. And I use that all the time. So that way, like when I'm in a different location, (laughs) because sometimes it's a different location every day, I don't want it to be a distraction. It's not so much about that. It's trying to hide it like because who cares where I am? I just want it to be this kind of familiar thing. So that way, every meeting, it doesn't have to be like a conversation or a distraction of like, oh, you're in a different room. Like, where are you? You So just kind of having that common theme where I've got my fake Austin background, every call, then it doesn't even come up in conversation where I am or what time it is. Or That makes a lot of sense. The reason I brought it up, (laughs) I'm not going to name drop him, but I don't know if you remember James Friend in Mexico, who is like getting in trouble with HR because he had his like VPN set to Indiana, but he was working in Mexico for the last three years. And it was like against company policy to work outside of the country. So there are definitely things to watch out for depending on your company. But yeah, that's kind of where my question was rooted and thinking about that guy and how he was kind of skirting the system with his VPN. Oh yeah, 100%. There's definitely certain companies, certain industries, certain parts of a company where like you're not really allowed to work from specific lists of countries. A lot of times it has to do with tax implications or even sometimes like competitive agreements and things like that. So I wouldn't suggest anybody breaking those kind of corporate rules. I just luckily in my position and the company that I'm at, like I've never crossed anything where they care about like working in a specific country. But now that did happen with us, with Leslie, like we had planned a month in Costa Rica and we already had everything all booked. And then she realized that because her job technically fell under sales, even though it's like her job isn't sales, Costa Rica was one of those countries where she couldn't work from. And so we had to cancel the trip because we were going to be gone a month. And the plan was to work and travel. So it it wasn't just a vacation. Definitely keep tabs on that. That'd be a terrible reason to get fired just because you were like working from a country you're not supposed to. (laughs) Yeah. And talking about time zones, actually something that's cool if your company is national. So I was in Hawaii for six weeks, end of 2022. My friend Kyle, he was working there, but he works for a national company. So he's typically working East Coast hours, but he said, hey, can I work West Coast hours? And then we were three hours West of the West Coast in terms of time zones. So he was working in Hawaii from 6 a.m. to I think he ended at 2 p.m. every day working West Coast times, but in Hawaii. So 
depending on where you are in the country and if your company is a national company or maybe it's a global company and you can get really lucky and just work in that country's time zone. But that's kind of another hack. Like you might be able to get closer to whatever time zone you're working in if your company is a national company. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, some other random kind of nice things about like traveling and working, especially if you do have one of these companies that have a big footprint is you get to check out like a lot of different offices, which I may, may sound kind of dumb, but like some companies like mine have like really cool offices. And so you get to check out different offices. There's people that, you know, in this kind of environment where a lot of us are working remote, we never get to meet the other people on the other side of the screen. But like if you're traveling and you decide to go in the office that day, it actually gives you an opportunity to meet some of these people in person for the first time, which is really cool. Like, you know, right now I've got three of the folks that work on my team who are in Denver. They came to the office today so we could all kind of actually collaborate in person versus just having to do Zoom meetings. So there is actual like, kind of positive outcomes from your career part as well. If you're getting out there and you're getting to meet people in these other organizations and other part of the business and other parts of the country. We'll be right back after this. Overwhelmed by all the hats you wear in life? Listen in as Eric Fisher talks with productivity experts as they share how they implement practical productivity strategies in their personal and professional lives, exploring all aspects of productivity and its true end goal, living a meaningful life, which is something we focus a ton on on the Fi Show. For more than a decade, Eric Fisher has sat down with productivity experts, authors, and creatives as they share their insights on how to implement productivity strategies in both your professional and personal life. The goal? to help you gain perspective, practical knowledge, and productivity insights for living a whole life that goes beyond the to-do list. Check out the incredibly engaging conversations with Eric and his guests every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now back to the show. And even when I'm traveling, I don't have coworkers per se, so I'm not able to collaborate, but I feel like I get different ideas, I get different perspectives. I'm like, just a light bulb goes off for some reason. I feel like just changing your surroundings sometimes makes you think a little bit differently. So whether I'm making a change in a business or like the way that this course is structured or the way that like these emails are, or I think of new ways to market, like all of these ideas just kind of rushed to my head by changing my surroundings. So that's something that's been pretty cool as I've been traveling and working. And I know Justin, you had asked me before we hit record here, it's a little bit different as an entrepreneur, right? Because I do have some scheduled meetings that I have to show up for, but a lot of times it's like, I have to be very self-motivated and it's very easy on vacation to kind of lose yourself, lose your routine. So For those entrepreneurs out there who are listening, having a routine, especially if you're doing slow travel, is everything. So whenever Lauren and I go to a new location, like we find the gym. That's like the first thing we do pretty much every day in a new location. We find the gym, we come home, we shower, and then we'll usually work for like one to three hours, depending on what's going on. And so once we're done with all of that, like it's 11 o'clock maybe or 10 o'clock, depending on what time we wake up. And then we can explore for the rest of the day. Then we usually get home later. If there's anything, emails that need to be answered, tasks that need to be actioned, we can do those later on and work for maybe another hour or so when we get back. But yeah, having that discipline, like building that routine into the morning has been super crucial because when I first started in entrepreneurship, there were so many times where I would go on a vacation with friends and you just kind of get lost in the vacation. And all of a sudden you realize you're behind on all this stuff. You didn't set time to like get specific tasks done. So I like to get all this stuff out of the way that I need to do. I consider the gym a need because I like to I like to stay in shape and feel good. So I, I get the gym out of the way. I get the non-negotiables out of the way in terms of business stuff in the morning. And then I have the kind of the rest of the day to explore and do other stuff. And obviously, there are some days where maybe I am working like the entire day. If there's a big project that I'm working on or something that needs to get done, I can just kind of hang out in the Airbnb in the hotel and get it done. But yeah, if you're an entrepreneur, you need to have 
self-motivation to set your own schedule and then just make sure that those must-do tasks get done. And a cool part about working remote too is like the same way I would kind of start the conversation with like, you don't have to wait until you're tired to be able to travel. Even when you're traveling, whether you're working remotely, you don't have to like have this day be the day that's like kind of the vacation day and then this day be the work day when you're traveling and working remotely, especially depending on the situation where you're at and how those hours are different, like those time zone differences. Sometimes you can really use them to your advantage, you know? Like let's say you're in a time zone where the day isn't going to get started until a little later in your day, like because of you've changed time zones and maybe you get up in the morning and you go like skiing for two hours. And then you jump online and have all your calls because now everybody's getting online. Like being able to just kind of dabble and mix in a little bit of like vacation and excursion into the day is another cool attribute of like being able to work remote. But I do think it's interesting how you're talking about like those differences between like a normal W-2 job and entrepreneurship on time management, because it is different. Like for me, you know, I know that I can get up and I can do those two hours of skiing, but I know that I'm going to come back at this time because I got a meeting. And I'm sure as an entrepreneur, like if you don't have that thing on the calendar, it's like all of a sudden, well, <laughs> yeah. maybe instead of skiing two hours, I'll ski like six exactly. hours, eight yeah. hours. It's like a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I was interested with, and maybe it's nothing, I don't know, but for you, when you're traveling for people who are thinking about doing this for the first time, like very tactically, is there certain like equipment that actually makes it easier for you to get through your day when you're not like at a dedicated desk at the same place, at the same room in your house every day where you've got all the normal things. Do you, is there something like you make sure that you have or take with you when you're traveling? I think it depends on what type of entrepreneurial business you have. So for me, like I'm always bringing a nice webcam and a mic because we record a lot, Justin. And I always bring like a lapel mic and stuff too, to shoot like short form video. And I'll just pack my laptop, obviously a charger. I'll bring adapters. That's important. Making sure you have adapters. If you're like country hopping, obviously this doesn't apply if you're going to different states, but I've been stuck in situations before where I didn't have the right adapter. I'm like, oh crap. So you got to go and find like the Apple store and find the adapter so I can charge my MacBook. But honestly, no, it's not too tech heavy. Like there's a lot of people who kind of do the digital nomad laptop lifestyle and they're not content creators. So they don't need the mic. They don't need a webcam. They might just be like someone who freelances and they might just be able to do everything from that laptop. I know some people do like to travel and like have a mouse and a keyboard. I'm totally fine with just my laptop keyboard. I think I've just gotten used to it over time. So I am pretty tech light, honestly, when it comes to the entrepreneur stuff. One more thing I actually wanted to mention, and this is a cool difference if you are an entrepreneur who's traveling, is that you can very easily, and this is not tax advice, this is not business advice, but you can very easily (laughs) turn a regular vacation into a business trip by just doing a couple of businessy things while you're there. You might be going to a meetup and meeting up with people and even stuff in Mexico, Justin, like I wrote off expenses in Mexico because we were talking about the podcast. Me and James were talking about his online course. We were talking about real estate. There were all things that I could, if I were to get audited by the IRS, like it's not outlandish for me to kind of tie some of those conversations and some of those things that we did back to like direct business impact. So if you're thinking about going somewhere, here's another one. I was in Hawaii. I'd like just toured some properties while I was there. I met with someone who I was collaborating with to help him build out a course. So you can get as crazy or as not crazy as you want with this, but you can write off like the plane tickets. You might be able to write off a bunch of dinners, like depending on how much business is getting talked about and how much action you're actually taking and the people that you're meeting. But again, not a lawyer, not a CPA. (laughs) Don't go and write off every trip that you're going to take for the next five years. But it's a really cool part of being an entrepreneur is like now this is coded as a quote unquote business expense because I had business conversations. I met 
with people that I'm going to collaborate with. I, you know, toured a couple of properties. If you're a real estate investor, there's a lot of cool hacks and a lot of cool ways that you can kind of reduce your taxable expenses by making these quote unquote business expenses. Yeah. In a similar vein, again, you know, like Cody said, not tax advice, go seek out your help from your tax professional, from your personal person. But it's similar thing could be said about the W-2 jobs, obviously not writing off the events, but let's say you want to live in a place that doesn't have state income tax because you want to avoid the state income tax. Cool. Like you got your homestead in Texas and Tennessee and whichever state, and then you're traveling around and you're still getting to enjoy all these other cities where they have these crazy taxes that would really eat up your income. But your home base is still in that state that doesn't have state income tax. Like there's nothing that says I can't travel as much as I want to away from my personal home in Texas and still be a Texas resident. So I could go to California for a month and then, you know, and Colorado for a month and I can go wherever I want to go, but I'm still for all intents and purposes, like a full-time Texas resident. And again, I don't know, there might be some kind of nuanced rules where that's not hundred percent, you know, true. So that's why this isn't legal advice, but it could be something interesting to explore where you can think about like, oh, I want to spend more time in like a New York City or a San Francisco, but I definitely don't want to pay those taxes. Well, have your home base in one state and then travel to those other places periodically. Yeah. There's a lot of tax strategies and things you can try out. Again, consult with your tax professional and do your own research. But I've been able to find some pretty cool tax hacks by tying together travel and entrepreneurship. So I actually want to tie in a couple of topics that we've covered in previous episodes, Justin. And one is like trusted house sitting. So if you go back to our episode with Britt Sharman, she covers like all of the platforms that you can sign up for, like how to get approved, how to get the most likely yes from people who will let you, you know, house it, which is basically you stay in their house for free in exchange for taking care of their pets or just their house or their plants or there's all of these different reasons why people might want you to house it. And there's this awesome community on all of these different platforms. I think the one that she was most active on was called Trusted House Sitters. That's a great way where you can go and stay somewhere else for free. If you negotiate the remote work from your job, you get a whole new experience. You don't have to pay for an Airbnb or a hotel. If you want to take this to the next level, I'll let you take over here, Justin, because you've kind of been doing this a bit. There's a technique that me and James Lowry kind of coined and talked about called geohacking, where you're renting out your primary residence while you're traveling and you're traveling in cheap or free places like with trusted house sitting. So you're actually making money on accommodation while you travel. I know, Justin, you've been renting (laughs) out that back room in your house. Have you done like the full house yet where you're renting out your main bedroom or maybe the spare bedroom? We haven't done the full house yet, but we have been doing a ton in the back room. We've been made a lot of rentals in the back room and it's, yeah, it's just a matter of time. We're going to get the full house on there. But yeah, that combination is definitely something that is like a huge part of our roadmap. It's something that is, I don't know, that's crazy powerful when you start to think about like, okay, not only am I covering my mortgage, but I'm actually maybe making some extra money. But even if you're just covering your mortgage and now you're traveling somewhere that's either cheap or you're staying in a trusted house at your place. Like, let's say you just rent out enough to cover your mortgage and you're doing the trusted house sitter thing. And for two people, like maybe that as a couple, maybe that reduces your expenses by $3,000 a month. It's $36,000 a year. That's like an insane difference in both the amount you're able to save and the amount that you need to plan for as far as like, if that's something you want to continue to do long term, then maybe you can factor that in. And it means that your retirement date is way, way sooner than you thought. Because, you know, you just went to Bali, like some of those places that you could rent for a month. Or like I look at stuff in Mexico or in Spain and Portugal. It's like, okay, it cost me $3,000 a month for our house in Austin. 
I could live there for $700 a month. So even if I was renting out my house and not covering my full mortgage, let's say I was only getting $2,000 a month. Now I've got the thousand left that I got to pay on that mortgage, the 700 for this other country. So I'm, now I'm spending $1,700 a month. That's still a $1,300 a month saving. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be like, but it could be crazy. Like it could be where now I'm earning an extra thousand over here. I'm not spending any money. And now my gap has grown by $4,000. Like it, so it's a very powerful combination. Yeah. Remote work plus renting out your house plus trusted house sitter. That's going to be one of the most deadly combinations out there. <laughs> and if you're in a place where <laughs> let's say you, you live somewhere where you have to drive a lot and maybe you're spending a lot on your car and on gas and things like that. And then you go to you go live in a city, whether it's in the US or somewhere else, where now your transportation costs are like zero because you can walk everywhere. That's another huge savings that you can tack on. It's like when Lauren and I are looking at places to say, we love places with walkability, which unfortunately we don't have where we're at in Central Mass. There's just not many sidewalks. All, you know, when the, when the pilgrims settled, they weren't thinking about walkability. So they just kind of crammed all the houses together and the roads are pretty narrow. So whenever we're traveling somewhere, we're always looking to have somewhere that's walkable to coffee shops and restaurants and the gym and so we're able to save on transportation too so you could do the trusted house sitters you could rent out the house and you could save on transportation if you're somewhere where you're spending a bunch on gas and commuting and driving everywhere once you get creative i feel like five just gets easier and easier and easier like you said last episode justin or two episodes ago there's just no playbook for some of this stuff it's like just look for creative opportunities and take them because you're going to face opportunities that have never been talked about before on a podcast or on a youtube channel or on a blog but if you kind of have this mindset and you are able to roll the punches and like figure it out, then it can allow you to retire decades sooner and have millions and millions more at retirement age. And something you were talking about there, it just like sparked me going back to earlier in the episode where you're talking about like the first thing you do is like find the gym as you are bouncing from city to city, especially for a lot of listeners, that's going to be within the United States. It could be a really good reason to have something like a Planet Fitness mm-hmm. membership. Me and Leslie keep that, even though we don't go to it during the week, we do our like F45 gym. We keep our Planet Fitness membership because we do travel so much and it's always there. Like there's always a Planet Fitness around. They're open most of the time, 24 seven. But even if they're not, they're open a lot of the time. And if we've been in situations too, where we were kind of like camper vanning and that gives you a place to take a shower. I mean, it's got all the equipment you could possibly need. The other thing, like with kind of health in mind when you're traveling, it can be really easy to get sucked into just eating out all the time or eating food that's like really terrible for you or that you wouldn't normally eat. And I would say is like, that's kind of the cautionary thing when you start to work remote or you start to travel a ton is to realize you can't treat every trip like you're on vacation (laughs) because most people, yeah, if they only take two vacations a year, it's like, yeah, go to town, like don't work out, eat whatever you want. But once you start spending, you know, six months on the road throughout that year, it's probably not a good idea to just eat whatever you want. It's good to keep those kind of routines and rhythms where you are cooking your food, you are eating some healthy things, you are working out and keeping that in mind when you're thinking about like where your say Airbnb is going to be. Does it have proper kitchen, things like that? I think those are huge in making it a sustainable lifestyle to not live like you're on this boom vacation because that's the way a lot of people live where they only get say two weeks a year to have vacation so they go all out when you get a lot more time you need to make it a more normal lifestyle or else it's uh, both like health and just mindset it's all going to get away from you. that's why that routine thing is so important to me because we've been on vacations with 
people who get two weeks of vacation a year and they don't want to go to the gym. They don't want to work for two hours in the morning. They don't have anything to work on. So they're like, what are you guys doing, weirdos? Like, why are you going to the gym? Why are you? It's like, because we travel for, you know, four or five months out of the year. If I were to just cut out the work that I do on vacation and go into the gym, like I'd get fat and I'd have way less money. So I have to have that strict routine or it just, it wouldn't work out for me. And not only that, like, I would just feel horrible because we've all been on those vacations before yeah. where you just feel terrible after five or seven days at like an all inclusive, especially if you're drinking and eating food that's not good for you, processed and all who knows what. You just feel pretty terrible. It's like the worst post vacation hangover ever. Not even even if you don't drink, you get the post vacation hangover because you're just eating crap and not working <laughs> out. It's it's not good. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we did this episode, Cody. I think it's a really cool thing that we've got to see in our economy where more people are getting to work remote. And I think it's something that hopefully will unlock people to take their journey towards financial independence and not necessarily like purposefully slow it down, but at least make sure they're not like driving themselves into the ground, trying to get there as fast as possible and have a little bit more fun along the way. And, you know, speaking from the kind of W2 person experience, my biggest suggestions would be always like understanding that yes, there's going to be a little bit more variability in your life and there might be some things that pop up and you might miss a meeting here or there. You you might be a little bit later on a response here and there. But if you can really prioritize like the important stuff, like making sure that you set aside some like non-negotiable time. Like if you've got that one-on-one with like your boss's boss that you get every two months, really make sure that you're in a place that's got good internet for that. Like if there's a task that is very important or that affects your company's financial bottom line, make sure you're in a good place for that. If there's like a fiscal quarter coming to an end and that's a really important week, then make that week, you know, a little less unknown. Like don't be traveling from place to place during that week. If you do those things, then you're still going to get to show up and be a really good employee and no one's ever going to care that you're traveling. It's when you start crossing those lines that now people start to care. They start to complain. They're going to start to force you back in the office or, you know, let you go or whatever that means. But traveling remotely doesn't have to negatively impact your career, but really try to prioritize those things and don't let your nomadic life become somebody else's hassle. Absolutely. The last thing we want you to do is to lose your job from listening to this episode and (laughs) going remote and not getting your work done. And then it turns into a big fiasco or your business starts tanking because you aren't setting yourself up with a good routine. But if you enjoyed this episode, Justin and I definitely enjoyed recording it. You can grab the show notes, share with a friend at the slash remote. That's the fiveshow.com slash remote. And let us know in the Facebook group if you're someone who's already working remote, if you are going to use some of the tactics from this episode. And hopefully this episode made someone have the uncomfortable conversation with the boss and then months or weeks down the road, now they're traveling and working from a new city. So let us know in the Facebook group at the fiveshow.com slash community. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to another episode of The Fi Show. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, the best way to do that is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, share this with a friend, and also don't forget, you can find 200 plus episodes and all the information you'd ever want to have about these episodes over at thefyshow.com. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button because that way every Wednesday you can have our latest episode delivered straight to your phone. Until next time. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million, available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.